pitching coach, and I'm not going to play one here. However, shouldn't the solution sometimes just be, you know, pitch better? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, the other two teams I cover. Yesterday, I was covering the Pirates' 8-3 loss to the Diamondbacks at PNC Park, in which they didn't do anything right. So I'm not isolating on pitching because of yesterday. I could just as easily have made this show about the offense going three for 30, about the defense committing three errors, about the five wild pitches that the pitchers threw, and I'm not going to any of that. I'm a little worried, not much, but a little, about Rowanzi Contreras. And unlike whatever it is that Oscar Marine and the pitching people are going through right now, I'm going to try to not overthink it. Remember when Contreras was just blowing us all away when he was in the minor league system? What was he doing? 98, 99, 100 miles an hour. Boom, boom, boom. And no one at that level had an answer for him. You know why? No one at any level has an answer for that when it's delivered with that force and, of course, with the requisite Accuracy, command, poise. And when Rowanzi came up, it really wasn't much different. He was just throwing gas. And he was getting Major League hitters out with that gas. And he felt good about it. And when I talked to the young man, there was this air of... He he knows he's got something special. And he knew that when he came up. And he knew that through the better part of last season. What's changed? Plain and simple, the velocity on the fastball. When you bring that up with anybody, including the kid himself, and he and I talk quite a bit, you'll get, he's he's fine. There's no issues with anything. He's just trying to take something off it to put it where it needs to go, to pinpoint it. Derek Shelton will say exactly the same thing. There's no daylight between those two stances. But what happens when the kid goes out there like he did yesterday and he's taking something off that fastball because he's trying to locate it and he doesn't locate it particularly well and it gets creamed partially because it's not located well, partially because it's just an ordinary fastball, 93, 93.5. That's where he was hovering in about the first inning. And even though the Diamondbacks didn't score right away, they were really on the, the ball. And I made note of it at the time. This was not going to go well for Rowanzi unless he got it together in a short order. And he didn't. He didn't. You know why? He didn't have his foundation to step back on. At least that's what I'm thinking here in not overthinking it. If I'm a pitcher and I've got a fastball that goes from 98 to 100, when I'm really revving it up, that's my pitch. And my mission within that should be to locate that pitch rather than trying to locate the 93 mile an hour version of it. Is any of this Making sense? 
it it, it does to me. And again, I, I'm not sitting here pretending to be, you know, Ray Miller, or Leo Mazzoni, or people who actually understand this stuff. But I do feel comfortable taking this position and putting this out there that maybe everybody's just putting way too much thought into this. Let me put it another way. What was it that really, really flipped the script on Mitch Keller? We can say that it was, oh, you know, he added this pitch and he added the two-seamer and he started throwing a slide or whatever. You can throw these things into the mix and you can find a game or a couple of games from 2022 where he really started to look like he could be something steady. But it was actually more gradual than that. Mitch was getting to the point where he'd throw four good innings and everybody would be like, yeah, okay, great. Way to go, Mitch. Then it was five. Now he's Cy Young. But you know when it started? It started when he went to that North Carolina pitching factory and they found a way to unlock 100 miles an hour of Mitch. And Mitch started walking around Bradenton like BMOC and he wanted to show everybody his 100 mile an hour fastball. Couldn't wait to get on the mound like a child for these Grapefruit League games. Now that ended up not being his anchor and he doesn't throw 100 now. But he got his confidence. He got some calibration back from it. My feeling, and that's all it can be at this point, is that the Pirates have taken away from Rowanzi what made Rowanzi special. And that's got to change. I don't care if he's spraying that thing all over creation. He's got to be a guy who's got his fastball in the upper 90s, or he's just another dude. Not everything needs to have some sort of formulaic solution to it. There are good instances of this. Johan Oviedo went out in his last outing. He threw a sinker for what he said was the first time in his life. Worked great. Got him through six innings. He felt uplifted and everything else. Is it going to last? I don't think so. What's going to happen the next time Oviedo goes out there? The element of surprise is gone. Now everybody's got footage of him throwing a sinker. What's the shape of the pitch? What's the action of it? What's the delivery? What are little nuances that uh, only really intensive study can pick up on? Like, does he tip it in some form or other? It's not a solution. It's it's not something that's going to fix him long term. It's something that got him through a start. Maybe it'll help him along the way. But you have to be who you are. You have to be the best version of who you are. And Rowanzi needs to throw gas again. If he throws a couple more wild pitches, if he walks a handful of guys, if it costs the Pirates a game or two... But he ends up being comfortable in his usual velocity range? Man, that's more than worth it. This is a special young man, a special young pitcher who needs to be treated as such. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of... Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. 
It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Family Table, a local company that brings delicious food to busy families. They offer family-style complete meals or a la carte items like lean proteins, perfect for muscle building and weight loss. If you're not local, gift cards are also available for your Pittsburgh-based family and friends. Go to FamilyTablePGH.com. That's FamilyTablePGH.com. And use the code DK40 or DK40 for 40% off and free delivery on your first order. Order by noon today for Thursday delivery. from Jim Bergeron who says, DK, the results don't matter to them. The front office didn't care when they were losing the past three years. They didn't care that they were winning in April. Andy and Henry both still in the minors. I'm sick of it all. Jim, I hear you. I hear the general sentiment. I hear the specifics within the general sentiment. I am most definitely not going to form any intelligent argument to the contrary. I'm just not. I'm just not. I look at this team and where it is currently in the standings, which, by the way, is one whole game behind the Brewers for first place in the Central, and still ahead, comfortably, I might add, of the Cardinals, who are surging and are undoubtedly going to end up being the team that everybody's chasing, because they always are, because they're the Cardinals, and that's just how things go. And I don't see anything from Ben Sherrington. I don't hear anything from him. I don't get the sense at any level of the organization that there's an urgency to try to get this ship righted. It's funny, you know, the Pirates had a a couple of decent games lately where they had a lot of runs and were rightfully feeling good about themselves because that's what you want your team to feel whenever they're trying to dig out of a hole. But the hole remains... You know, they've won four of their last 18 games. If they had started the season like this, can you imagine how different this script would have been? Even if they went 20-8 and eight after that. First impressions, they matter. But first place also matters. And the Pirates are right there. And no one, no one in this division, not the Brewers, Not the Cardinals yet, definitely not the Cubs or the Reds, is about to be running off with this thing. I talk about St. Louis and how they're getting back to being themselves, but they've got significant flaws. This is not your normal situation for the Cardinals. They don't have all of their mainstays to fall back on the way they've had for so, so, so many years. There's a very real opportunity at hand right here in 2023, and it is not 
being embraced aggressively or otherwise by anyone, by anyone at 115 Federal. I talk a lot about, and you brought them up, Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis, but those aren't the only options that a general manager has to make his team better. Did you see Robert Stevenson yesterday? Does this look like somebody who belongs in the majors? Single-handedly cost him one game over the weekend, shows up again in the following one, and allows this one to get completely out of hand, meaning the one yesterday. He looked terrible. And I know he had some you know, good fortune or whatever it was in April, but this does not look like anybody's back-end piece anywhere. You don't need to call up Endy and Henry to take his place, do you? Offense. I talk about offense all the time. Look, if you're going to be as stubborn as Charrington is very clearly going to be regarding his top two hitting prospects, go get a hitter somewhere else because this ain't it. This ain't it, especially with O'Neill Cruz out. Ask yourself what most teams do who are in the pirate situation, who lose a player of Cruz's caliber and of his ceiling and of everything else that he brings for a span of at least four months. They go and get somebody. They go and they get somebody like that week. It never even came up here. Why? Well, they they were winning. They kept on winning, and everybody kind of forgot about it, put it on hold, and then they go through this historic offensive slump, and everyone's looking around, and without even thinking of outside possibilities, everyone just says, bring up the kids. I feel that way regardless. I'd rather see the most talented players in Pittsburgh, even if that means fixing a temporary hole. But it's not Charrington's only option, and don't forget that. This is the season they didn't expect to have, meaning the management types. And that's the curveball that came here. Well, you can't just pretend it didn't happen because it didn't fit your preordained plan. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 